Chapter thirty five of Stories of King Arthur and His Knights. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan. Stories of King Arthur and His Knights by Hugh Waldo Cutler. Chapter thirty five. Queen Guinevere's May Day Ride and What Came of It. Thus it passed on from Candlemas until after Easter, and soon the month of May was come, when every manly heart begins to blossom and to bring forth fruit. For as herbs and trees flourish in May, likewise every lusty heart springeth and flourisheth in lusty deeds, for more than any other month May giveth unto all men renewed courage, and calleth again to their mind old gentleness and old service, and many kind deeds that were forgotten by negligence. Therefore, as the month of May flowereth and flourisheth in many gardens, so let every man of honour bring forth fruit in his heart, first unto God, and next unto the joy of them to whom he has promised his faith. So it befell in the month of May, that Queen Guinevere called unto her ten knights of the table round, and she bade them ride with her a maying on the morrow into the woods and fields near Westminster. And I bid you, said she, that ye all be well horsed, and that ye all be clothed in green, either silk or woollen, and I shall bring with me ten ladies, and every knight shall have a lady behind him, and every knight shall have a squire and two yeomen. So they made themselves ready in the freshest manner, and in the morning rode with the queen a maying in woods and meadows, as it pleased them in great joy and delight. The queen purposed to be again with King Arthur at the furthest by ten of the clock. Now there was a knight called Meliagrance, who had at that time a castle, the gift of King Arthur, within seven miles of Westminster. He had long lain in wait to steal away the queen, but had feared to do the base deed when Sir Launcelot was in her company. It was her custom at that time never to ride without a great fellowship of men of arms about her, for the most part young men eager for honour, and called the queen's knights. But this knight, Sir Meliagrance, had espied the queen well and her purpose on this May morning, and had seen how Sir Launcelot was not with her, and how she had for this once no men of arms with her, but the ten noble knights all arrayed in green, for maying. Then he provided him twenty men of arms and a hundred archers, to destroy the queen's knights, for he thought that time was the best season to take the queen prisoner. So while the queen and all her knights were gathering herbs and mosses and flowers in the best manner and freshest, just then there came out of a wood some meliagrants with eight score men, well armed, and bade the queen and her knights to stand. "'Traitor knight,' said Queen Guinevere, "'what intendest thou to do? Wilt thou shame thyself? Bethink thee how thou art a king's son, and knight of the table round, and thou art about to dishonour the noble king that made thee knight. Thou shamest all knighthood and thyself. But me, I let thee wit, thou shalt never shame, for I had rather cut my throat in twain than that thou shouldst dishonour me.' As for all this language, said Sir Meliagrance, be it as it may, never before could I get you at such advantage as I do now, and therefore I will take you as I find you. All the ten noble knights sought to dissuade him from dishonouring himself, and from forcing them to jeopard their lives, unarmed as they were, in defending the queen. But Sir Meliagrance would not yield, and the ten knights of the table round drew their swords, and stood manly against the spears and swords of the others. But Sir Meliagrance had them at great advantage, and anon six of them were smitten to the earth with grimly wounds. The other four fought long, but at last they also were sore wounded. 
when the queen saw that her knight's needs must be slain at the last, she for pity and sorrow agreed to go with Sir Meliagrance to his castle upon this covenant, that he suffer not her knights to be more hurt, and that they be led wheresoever she was taken. For, said she, I will rather slay myself than go with thee, unless these my noble knights may be in my presence. Meliagrance consented, and by the queen's commandment they left battle. The wounded knights were placed on horseback, some sitting, some across the horses' backs in a pitiful manner, and all rode in haste to the castle. Then Sir Meliagrance charged the queen and all her knights that no one should depart from her, for full sore he dreaded Sir Launcelot, lest he should have any knowledging. But the queen privily called unto her a page who could ride swiftly, gave him her ring, and told him to bear it, when he saw a chance to slip away quietly, unto Sir Launcelot of the lake, and pray him to rescue her. "'And spare thou not thy horse,' said she, "'neither for water nor for land.' So the page espied his time, and lightly he touched his horse with the spurs, and departed as fast as he might. Sir Meliagrance saw him so flee, and understood that it was to warn Sir Launcelot. Then they that were best horsed chased him and shot at him, but he escaped them all, and anon found Sir Launcelot. And when he had told his message and delivered him the queen's ring, Alas, said Sir Launcelot, now am I shamed for ever, unless that I may rescue that noble lady from dishonour. Then he eagerly called for his armour, and ever the page told him how the ten knights had fought marvellously, till at last the queen made appointment to go with Sir Meliagrance for to save their lives. Alas, said Sir Launcelot, that most noble lady, that she should be so destroyed, I would give all France to have been there well armed. So when Sir Launcelot was armed and upon his horse, he sent the queen's page to tell Sir Lavaine how suddenly he had departed, and for what cause, and to pray him to come anon to the castle where Sir Meliagrance abideth. Sir Launcelot, it is said, took to the water at Westminster Bridge, and made his horse swim over the Thames to Lambeth, and then he rode as fast as he might, until within a while he came to the place where the ten knights had fought with Sir Meliagrance. He then followed the path until he came to a straight way through the wood. Here he was stopped by thirty archers that Sir Meliagrance had sent out to slay Sir Launcelot's horse, but in no wise to have ado with him bodily, for, he had said, he is over hard to overcome. These archers bade Sir Launcelot to turn again and follow no longer that track, and when Sir Launcelot gave right naught for them, then they shot his horse and smote him with many arrows. Sir Launcelot now set out on foot, but there were so many ditches and hedges betwixt the archers and him, that he could not meddle with any one of them. He went on a while, but was much cumbered by his armour, his shield, and his spear. Wit ye well he was so annoyed at his slow progress, but was loath to leave anything that belonged unto him, for he dreaded sore the treason of Sir Meliagrance. Just then by chance they came by a cart that was sent thither to fetch wood. "'Tell me, Carter,' said Sir Launcelot, what shall I give thee to take me in thy cart unto a castle within two miles of here? Thou shalt not set foot in my cart, said the man, for I am sent to fetch wood for my lord Sir Meliagrance. Then Sir Launcelot jumped upon him, and gave the man such a blow that he fell to the earth stark dead. Then the other carter, his fellow, was afraid of going the same way, and cried out, Fair lord, save my life, and I will bring you where ye will. Sir Launcelot leapt into the cart, and the carter drove at a great gallop, Sir Launcelot's horse following after with more than forty arrows in him. 
More than an hour and a half later, Queen Guenever was in a bay window of the castle with her ladies, and espied an armed knight approaching, standing in a cart. "'See, madam,' said a lady to her, "'there rideth in a cart a goodly armed knight. I suppose he rideth to hanging.' Then the queen espied by his shield that Sir Launcelot of the lake himself was there. "'Alas!' said the queen, "'now I see that well is it with him who hath a trusty friend. O most noble knight, I see well thou art hard bestead when thou ridest in a cart.' By this time Sir Launcelot had come to the gates of that castle, and there he descended from the cart, and cried so that all the castle rang, "'Where art thou, false traitor Sir Meliagrance, and knight of the table round?' Now come forth here, thou traitor knight, thou and thy fellowship with thee, for here I am, Sir Launcelot of the lake, that shall fight with thee. With these words he burst the gate wide open upon the porter, and smote him under his ear with his gauntlet, so that he staggered back like a dead man. When Sir Meliagrance heard that Sir Launcelot was there, he ran unto Queen Guenever and fell upon his knees, putting himself wholly at her mercy, and begging her to control the wrath of Sir Launcelot. "'Better is peace than ever war,' said the queen, "'and the less noise the more is my honour." So she and her ladies went down to Sir Launcelot, thanked him for all his trouble in her behalf, told him of Meliagrance's repentance, and bade him come in peaceably with her. "'Madam,' said Sir Launcelot, "'if ye are accorded with him, I am not inclined to be against peace, howbeit Sir Meliagrance hath done full shamefully to me, and cowardly. "'Ah, madam,' Had I known you would be so soon accorded with him, I would not have made such haste unto you. What? said the queen. Do ye repent of your good deeds? Wit ye well, I never made peace with him for labour or love that I had unto him, but to suppress all shameful noise. Madam, said Sir Launcelot, ye understand full well I was never glad of shameful slander nor noise, and there is neither king, queen, nor knight alive except my lord King Arthur, and you, madam, that should hinder me from making Sir Meliagrance's heart full cold, or ever I departed from hence. Then the queen and Sir Launcelot went in together, and she commanded him to be unarmed. Then he asked where the ten knights were that were wounded sore. So she led Sir Launcelot to them, and they made great joy of his coming, and he made great dole of their hurts, and bewailed them greatly. And then Sir Launcelot told them how he had been obliged to put himself into a cart, Thus they complained each to other, and full gladly would they have been revenged, but they restrained themselves because of the queen. So Sir Launcelot was called for many a day thereafter the chevalier of the cart, and he did many deeds, and great adventures he had. And so we leave this tale of the knight of the cart, and turn to others. End of chapter 35